0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Reality Quest. This week we are
1: I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this week we are rolling out something we are very excited about. We got the opportunity Ooh, yeah. to record with Ella Darling.
1: So for those of you who don't know who Ella Darling is, she is actually an adult film performer, and she is also a businesswoman and highly intelligent woman who works within the adult performance industry, also known as the porn industry. And uh, she, what's even more interesting about her, if that wasn't already interesting enough... Unique enough. (laughs) Yeah. She actually uh, pioneered working within vr uh in porn and so she has been somebody that we have been dying to talk to about this uh she has experimented within 360 video 180 video. she has experience um being a cam girl she has experience working with vr companies she also co-founded uh virtual reality company called vrtube.xxx she also co-founded cam 4 vr a live mm-hmm. webcam platform in vr and she's also working on some other uh, non-porn vr projects right now she just she's an amazing human being i feel like
0: <laughs> <laughs> like everyone that comes on the podcast gotta but do seriously. it i gotta do it no, yeah Ella Ella is kind of incredible. She's done so much. Um she has this sort of mentality whenever she's presented with a with a new situation or a challenge that she kind of looks at it, she realizes that it's something she's afraid of and that is immediately cause for her to go full force and just tackle it head on. Yeah. And so what happened for her when she was when after she was coming out of college, uh you know with her with her uh librarian Program. Oh uh, yeah,
1: that's the other thing. She's actually yeah. an ex-librarian.
0: Yeah, if that so didn't she, <laughs> if
1: so let your so mind had, be blown.
0: She got her masters as a librarian, um, and then came out of school for that, and was like, you know what? Uh, actually, I could make a lot more money doing a doll performance, and so she started getting into that because it just seemed like something new and something she was afraid of, and she wanted to transform her perspective on it, and so she just dove full force into it. And then that's yeah. also what eventually led her to start experimenting with with VR and it just so happened that she was one of the first people to do that. And a little bit of context I feel like would be really good on just our whole approach and why we wanted to really dig into this topic for this episode and the coming episode that we will release following on to this as our thoughts on thoughts. Um, some people might immediately react to this like, "Oh, wow, that's uh, that that why why are you all going there?" Um And I feel like the reason that we've been curious about this for a while and the reason that we wanted to also reach out to someone that was in the industry and had experience in this space is because this whole part of the the industry, this part of the XR space is not talked about often enough, we feel. And we feel like it is having a huge impact whether people want to acknowledge it or not. And so having more language around it and and just getting comfortable with talking more about these things and generally lifting up people who are really... um, Pioneering and and pushing forward, just sex positivity in general is something that we are all for, and that we want yeah. to push forward ourselves as well. I feel like if you are curious about what the future of a lot of these sorts of ways that we might interact through XR and remotely, particularly with everything going on right now, um, I mean, you don't have to spend much time imagining. Um, how people that are stuck in long-distance relationships are going to be having to interact uh, in order to maintain any level of intimacy in the near future, and even now, these kinds of spaces like Vero Play Space and all of these different companies that create different kinds of teledildonics and all of the virtual experiences—the like volumetric capture of full, a full sort of visage of a person uh, that is then imported into virtual reality um, that they can use to embody. All of those different things contribute into what this this near future and even right now of uh, interacting over virtual space in a more intimate fashion than just, you know, casual conversation. Um, So it's really interesting. We found it at least. So we hope that you will as well.
1: Yeah, so I think Jay and I went into this. Jay and I are already uh, very open-minded people, uh, but we are aware that this is a taboo topic that some people aren't super comfortable with. And... We hope that this makes people comfortable uh, with, you know, that it helps introduce people to some of these topics in a safe space, but uh, we also understand that some people might not want to hear this. And in that case, you have your full warning here.
0: (laughs) There will be... (laughs) Yes, full disclaimer. There will be a range of topics here that are explicit in nature.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, And that we will talk about um, things like tits... (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> I forget. Teledildonics is explored yeah, extensively well, here. Um, I think Ella you know. uses the phrase like I don't know. She says the uh, I will give a teaser that at some point she says you can google search for her asshole um oh yeah that
0: was that
1: so that will give you you know (laughs) if that's something you can't handle uh then (laughs) i'd turn around right now um but anyways we enjoyed this we hope you do too uh you have full warning that there's some explicit adult content and we will see you in the outro
0: We've all been dealing with this huge quarantine issue, <laughs> destabilization for many people's lives. But it seems like a lot of the things that you do involve uh, remote communication already um, and many aspects of your lifestyle. So I'm really curious to hear more about how that's affected you or hasn't and how you deal with that.
2: Um Honestly, my day-to-day hasn't changed that much. I mean, I don't really go out that much. I don't, you know, like I said, 9 a.m. and 9 p.m., I have to be here to do the, the insulin stuff for my dog. So um, right. ever since he was diagnosed, it's just like, if I'm going to go out at night, I either have to be back by 9 or go out after 9. And I'm a nana, so there's no way in hell I'm going out <laughs> after 9 p.m.
3: Um, <laughs> so, um,
2: so, yeah, in general, I mean, I used to see, like, some of my friends i don't know a few times a month um that's obviously on hold and otherwise right. it's just you know i'm used to being able to just pop out to trader joe's a few times a week and just pick up whatever mm-hmm. the hell um so that's kind of the biggest thing just that you know anytime you need groceries you have to like have a fucking battle strategy <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, let me what pull is... out the playbook what are we gonna how are we gonna deal with this today there's been a, there's been an incident at tj's <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, you call yourself a nano, which I think is hilarious. But did you know that they actually have dedicated hours for elderly people
2: at the grocery store right now? Yes.
3: Oh, that's um, right.
2: I think it's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Do you go at that time?
0: <laughs> <laughs> go there. And say like, I am a nano. So
2: <laughs> look, I go to bed at ten thirty p.m., so I'm pretty sure I qualify. Excuse me. <laughs>
0: I'm old enough to have a bedtime a second time. <laughs> yeah,
1: That's better than my mom. My mom's super upset because she stay, she's uh, in her late 60s, but she stays up late and wakes up late, so she's pissed <laughs> off that it's from like 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. or something like that. <laughs> So how do you how do you go to bed early and call yourself a nana? I would have imagined the opposite. I would have imagined that given your history working with camming and all of that that it's late night business.
0: Yeah, that's that would have been my assumption as well.
2: Yeah, I don't I'm not really on cam that much anymore. Um, oh, yeah. okay. and it's kind of an anytime thing. Um, yeah. I, uh, I work with a company called Vero Playspace, which they have an adult mm-hmm. VR app on steam, but, um, about a month ago we released a character named Vex Ruby, who's a virtual yeah. streamer.
0: And she's We're been on Chatter a
2: chatterbait. I know. Yeah. We
0: we are really excited about this particular topic as well. We've been digging.
2: <laughs> I'm very glad to hear that. Um so Vex is, you know, is played or controlled by a real person who is mm-hmm. an absolute delight of a human being, which if you've ever <laughs> talked to Vex, you you definitely get that from her. She's so so kind and compassionate and like yeah. just seeing her sort of dip her toes into doing this kind of thing for the first time and managing the community and like just engaging with her fans has been really really cool because she just i don't know she's just so loving and so caring and and she approaches it with such such heart you know yeah Um, i think
0: we should add a little bit of context here uh because we both know what or who vex ruby is but um for context, she is one of the first, I know that there was another one that came up and started becoming pretty popular um, over the past year or so, but she's mm-hmm. one of the first like virtual cam girls. Yes. Essentially, right?
2: She's fully tracked. She wears a mocap suit. So she's tracked by just a shit ton of cameras. She also has yeah. facial tracking. Um, So all of her movements, her face, everything is, is fully tracked. So the character mm. is very much a representation of her in real life. She's fully live streamed. It's not pre-recorded. And um, yeah. she's streaming on Chatterbait and also a site called Plexstorm, which is uh, mm. sort of an adult game streaming app. Um, it's like
0: adult Twitch. Almost. Yeah,
2: that's that's accurate. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she's been streaming there and, and she's really cool. She's, you know, she's, um, she's designed by, by our team. So her design is just really, uh, really beautiful, I think. And she has this really cool room where, um, she has something called a lens of truth and it's like a little, like a. A looking glass or like a magnifying glass oh. looking thing and when she waves it over her body her clothes disappear underneath it it's like almost like an x-ray <laughs> it's like
0: an x-ray glass <laughs> yeah
2: and when she waves it over like um some of the things in her room like i think there's like a bondage bear where if she waves the glass over the bear you see it turn into like this kinky bondage teddy bear oh wow uh, oh no
1: <laughs> it's really fun <laughs> jay knows jay knows i have like i'm obsessed with my stuffed animals and i and now i'm like oh no i don't know if i want to pick them they're so secret. innocent right now i don't want to they're like my children <laughs> yeah what, what if you
0: wave the magnifying glass over your stuffed animals and no, they have alternate wanna... personas <laughs> oh, God.
1: i'm never i'm gonna be traumatized already from this conversation one of them
2: is actually uh, gonna be a person they're gonna be the stuffed animal version of a furry
0: Oh, wow. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, like you use this magnifying glass on your room, and it's actually just a whole herd of people there, like congregated oh, on your no. bed.
3: <laughs> no, Floppity, no. Oh,
1: boy. Well... So, okay, so in in the case, I'm going to get off this topic as quickly as possible. So in this case, when you're talking to VexRuby, so I found her through Vero, and Vero is a social, it's a social play space, uh, but I thought
2: it was virtual reality, right? It is. So Vero play space is virtual reality, and okay. VexRuby is sort of our first step towards introducing social interactions in the app, um, sort of, you know figuring out how to have, like, a live person or a live host uh, Mm -hmm. that we can place into the app. Right now, she's on, you know, the 2D websites, Chatterbait and Pluxstorm, partially as a marketing move and partially just sort of, uh, you know, do a test run. So we will be, we do have plans to incorporate social spaces um, very soon, which I think, you know, this is a very good time to create something like that um, Mm. because people want to, be transported out of their home. So virtual reality makes sense and people need social interaction. And you know. Right. Yeah, I think social VR is a very important thing right now. So on,
1: on the ones that are that are not social VR, like chatterbait and all that, that are 2D experiences, and she's using what, what is that interaction like? Because I'm less familiar with that with I, the the camming world. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm assuming that is the camming world, right? Chatterbait is it's like yeah. you so I I would like create a username or something and log in and I would be able to
2: find people and connect with them over video essentially. Um, so it's one to many. So the cam performers okay. broadcast to their audience, and there are situations where sometimes performers will do what's called cam to cam, which you know the the audience person pays them to watch their cam while while they're watching the cam performer. Um, oh, that's not okay. so much Vex's style. Um, mm. but yeah, you, you make an account, you ideally buy some tokens so you can tip her yeah. <laughs> and then you can chat yeah. with her. You can, you can do things. And when you tip her, different things happen. So when you tip her, it activates her, um, her Leventz toy, which is a teledildonic device, mm. um, yeah. which is actually also functional with Vero play space. Um, but it'll activate her, her toy. Um, it also makes this cool rainfall in her bedroom and each rain droplet uh, oh, right. disappears part of her outfit wow
1: Yeah, they- <laughs> that is so cool okay so this is reminding me uh, that I was listening to an interview you had done Ella that was you had said you were talking about getting that tipping process and how um that the I mean everything that you're saying reminds me of like Twitch like you said Jay so I get it so you log in and you can just find different streaming that you want to connect yeah. with and uh And in the case of Twitch, which not everyone's familiar with, I mean, there's a certain uh, base for for Twitch as well. But if people aren't familiar with Twitch, I mean, it's I would say it's similar in that you can like subscribe, you can uh, donate or there's there's a whole monetary economy that's related to Twitch and how to connect with people or how to support them, uh, how to get a special relationship with them or get special things to happen. And I remember when I first joined Twitch being so confused. It's like people could do, one of the ones I watch, uh, you could do shark interruptions where like just, you like pay for something or and and then like, uh, or you subscribe and you get certain tokens for this and then you can decide that a shark video comes up in the middle of the conversation. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a hilarious premise, but yeah. like this makes, I mean, I'm, I'm just relating all of that back to this idea of like that whole economy with you, you send tips to make things happen and, um and all those different things that can happen. I think Ella, you put it uh, in something else I was listening to you talk about. It was like a crowdsourced orgasm, which I thought was the best. <laughs> yes. So one yeah. of the
2: things that um, performers often do is they, they'll set a tip goal. So let's say my tip goal is a hundred tokens. But if you tip me five tokens, I'll show you a titty or, or something, you know, based, yeah. it's based on whatever the yeah. performer wants to do. Um, and so each person gets rewarded for tipping a small amount. And then once everybody has tipped enough to reach that tip goal, then, you know, you do a different or more uh, engaging or whatever kind of performance. Right. Yeah, I'm trying not to be crass. I'm trying not to be a crass. You can
0: laugh. be crass. Uh, no, no, no. You, you be can totally be crass.
1: <laughs> this is all of our episodes are are explicit. I would I think, say. Yeah, in some the sense. first
0: one we did, uh, everybody just like was really loving this whole conversation around shirt cockers. Um, I, yeah. Do you know what a shirt <laughs> cocker is, moving? Ella? No. It, <laughs> no.
1: What? <laughs> oh, I'm so excited.
0: Uh, uh, I love so, bringing
1: this topic up again. Go ahead, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so it came up originally because we were talking about Burning Man, and something that happens there often is people will walk around, and you'll say hi to somebody, and then you look down below the belt, and you're like, oh, whoa, you're not wearing pants. You're not even wearing underwear. You're just naked from the waist down. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, people so will it's call that like, a... like, yeah, Winnie the Pooh or, yeah. or shirt cocking.
3: <laughs> shirt cocking.
2: Right. I always thought of it as uh, porky pigging. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I guess a lot of Looney Tunes characters did that, too.
1: Right. That was actually, that conversation was with a woman who runs Altspace. Do you know Altspace? Oh, yeah. I'm assuming you're mm-hmm. familiar with all the social VR applications. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she was teaching us all about shirt cockers because we were we were discussing that kind of question when you're... When you're hanging out with somebody in VR, like, are they wearing clothes or not? And she was likening it to that Burning,
2: <laughs> burning Man experience. Wow. I, that has never occurred to me until now. <laughs> <laughs> Which is.
0: What would you, would you think call, I would have? What would you call the, the, uh, the other side or like the female equivalent of shirt cocking? Shirt cunting? <laughs> oh yeah I mean that's that's actually pretty straightforward <laughs> I forget what I called it I think you you what? called it something like flowers uh <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like that euphemism a lot
1: more <laughs> shirt flowers or something like that <laughs> Anyways. Okay. So going back to this. So, okay. That economy, that all makes sense to me because it's, I mean, it's not far-fetched in the sense that it's very close to, if you go to a strip club, what's going to happen. If you are participating more and if you're giving more money, then you're going to get, people are going to pay more attention to you and and provide a certain entertainment for you. Yeah, exactly.
0: I think it's important to note, there's just this, this is an entire sort of industry or, or domain that has emerged over the past I don't know, 10, 20 years or so? I feel like Uh, it started with stuff that was like uh, chat roulette and things way back. but
2: At least 20 years. Um, I don't know the exact timeline offhand, but people have been doing something similar for, I want to say even since like maybe the 90s. Um, Oh, wow. But yeah, the camming industry has, it started to really become just incredibly massive, I would say 15 years ago, okay. um, to the point where it really eclipsed the the video side of the adult industry, um, really? with the emergence of, of, you know, tube sites and piracy and, um, and stuff mm-hmm. like that, because you can download, you know, whatever porn you can think of, like anything you can think of, but right. you can't pirate you know a human experience you can't pirate a personal conversation or like a real-time know, interaction yeah the, when when vex you know says your name and asks about something that you mentioned the other day like that's not something you can steal that's not something you can you know just upload to to pornhub and be done with it right
0: so you can't yeah. pirate the engagement like the real-time interaction with another person exactly or persona
2: uh,
1: I've been thinking about this so much with Twitch because I was—I'll I'll say late to the game, but then again, some of my friends still don't know what Twitch is. I so say a lot of people I'm, haven't jumped yeah. into
0: that pond yet. But
1: that—even uh, when it first came out—I was talking with one of my friend's younger brothers, and I was fascinated that somebody that anybody would want to watch other people play video games, and I was genuinely curious about what what is the phenomenon behind that that intrigue. And then the more now that I've gotten more into it, it's obviously uh, it spans way beyond just watching people play video games. It's interacting with people. I mean, Jay, you sent me one of somebody just millions of people watching somebody sleep the other day. Yeah. And (laughs) and so I've been joining in and trying to get a sense of it. And I think like what you're saying, Ella, it's all about personal interaction with these people, because we don't typically get to. It's like a little bit like what Twitter did for celebrities where you can message them and sometimes they might even reply mm-hmm. but it's that amplified because it's these people that you like and you connect with and in many ti- in many ways think that they are famous in some way and yet uh you get to Truly interact with them and they are their whole job is to watch that chat and respond to what people are doing It's like the whole point is to create a relationship.
0: Yeah With your audience you feel like you are connecting with this person even though they're interacting with Thousands or hundreds of thousands of people at once.
2: Yeah, right it's created these microcosms of celebrity and uh, you know smaller pedestals but still pedestals nonetheless that their audience is putting them on and Mm -hmm. looking up to them on and also, they're a lot more accessible because it's a smaller community. It's not like, you know, the the Hollywood glitterati. It's someone right. who you can actually, you know, reach and, and connect with and feel seen by and feel heard Relate by. Relate with
0: maybe a little bit more as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I was also seeing that, I think
1: it was on Hulu, there is a show called Something About Camming. So, or it might have been a documentary, I think it's a documentary, not a show. And I'll find out what it was called. But will look it up. Uh, a part of it talked about how the the performer, uh, in this case it was a woman, and she was saying how she really enjoys that connection too, that it is certainly not a one-way street. Oh, absolutely. I think it's called a
0: cam life, by the way. Cam,
1: cam life, yeah.
2: Mm. Yeah, for sure. I've been camming intermittently in various regards for, oh God, like going on, going on 11 years now, I think, oh, wow. 10 and a half years. And, um, you know, some of the people that I've, you know, connected through in that way or connected with, through that medium are still people I talk to still people. I, you know, I, I have a, you know, friendly relationship with because they're, they're not just there to see, you know, tits and ass. They're there to actually have that human connection. Because again, you can Google, you can literally Google my asshole if you want to. <laughs> but um but they want to have that connection and if they're you know if they're chill and if they're cool like you really do meet some great people Mm -hmm. yeah and you were just talking about i think before we were
1: recording that uh that uh, expo avn is Mm -hmm. that what it was called avn um the conference yeah and and is you said that is business to consumer so you're actually meeting some of your your fans your connections your relationships there right
2: yeah um there's a guy who comes every year. I actually skipped this year for the first time because I, I didn't want to be away from Gonzo and I hate being in Vegas. Yeah. Um, but there's a guy who comes every year. I don't even, I mean, I've probably seen him every time I've gone and every year he brings dog treats for Gonzo and he brings oh. a printed picture of the photo that he took with me last year and he'll bring me like, I don't know, like gummy bears or, or just some fun little treat. <laughs> and and yeah, he comes every year and, and I see him every year and uh he's a really good dude. And and back when I first started doing adult film, um, again, I don't really perform anymore. Right. Um, yeah. I mostly I do marketing for adult VR companies. Um mm-hmm. I still do some stuff here and there, but I don't know. Um but back when I was, you know, shooting a lot, I would mm-hmm. sign at uh, at different companies tables and they would have, you know, photos printed off for me to, to sign and you have a signing schedule and and all of that.
0: Well, wow. something I I'm really curious about just because of how much time you spent in this space in general, but in particular uh, as it's relevant to connecting virtually with people, how how have you learned to deal with that sort of th- that barrier that is in place but in that one to many sort of communication where you are the camera and you are trying to f- make thousands of people potentially feel connected to you even though you can't actually have as rich of a connection uh with them as they see of you and so you kind of have a bit of a detachment from their persona in that interaction
2: um when i'm when i'm doing a cam show i'm You know, I'm speaking to a whole audience of people and trying to stay engaged. But um, I actually went over a lot of this with Vex recently. The Mm -hmm. biggest challenge there is that a lot of the time people aren't chatting. People, you could have like a hundred people in your room watching, but just Mm -hmm. nobody really engaging, and so you kind of start to feel like you're, yeah. And it's like I get it. Your hands are busy right now, but give me something. (laughs) Um, So you just sort of end up talking to yourself with. The people who are watching and yeah. just try to keep like stay enthusiastic and stay you know interesting and fun and doing all of this while having a one-sided conversation with your camera right. um and sometimes it can feel like you're in a girl zoo on the internet but um, <laughs> girl zoo. well
0: put yeah, yeah that, i've never heard it put that way but that totally makes sense yeah that but, sounds um, really it's challenging
2: a, it can be um most of the comedy i do now is one like just one to one with long term clients okay. and that makes it a lot easier because you know they're not shy and we talk to each other and yeah like i know them
3: right
0: yeah it's more of a that traditional interaction between you and another person
2: yeah
1: hmm. i mean it seems like not very different from a lot of a lot of challenges with performing in general i mean if you're mm-hmm. a stand up comedian you hear this all the time. If you're, if you're getting crickets uh, and you're not sure (laughs) if people are finding it funny or not, (laughs) there's just like a lot of uh, question marks you have in your head. And yet uh, a part of that is the whole, it's the artistic side and uh, the being a performer, which is the reason it's a a job and a skill set is that you can deal with situations like that and learn mm-hmm. to get pretty good at it exactly exactly
0: i'm actually so you
1: said oh go oh, ahead jay yeah
0: well, well i was gonna ask about uh, vex in particular because you said you worked with her or you've been working with her directly um was she a camera before she took on this virtual persona as well
2: um I'm not sure if she had ever done any kind of broadcasting before. Um, okay. My understanding is I don't I don't think so, but I, I don't want to say for certain.
0: Okay. Because I'm interested in what the, the differences are, and maybe you can speak on this a little bit, and just like what the differences are between traditionally going about camming um, in the way that most people are doing that on sites like Chatterbait um, or, or Plex. It, it, Plex, store. Is what you said. Plex Store. Plex um, Store. Like the differences and challenge that you face in that space versus making a jump into a virtual persona. There's obviously a lot of differences there and people aren't looking at the actual physical you. So just how does that, uh, how does that ease or or increase the challenge of the whole experience?
2: The biggest challenge with that has really been on the technical side and, and ironing out. I mean, our dev team is amazing. I, I cannot confirm if they actually ever sleep because evidence points (laughs) to the contrary. Um, (laughs) But, but yeah, they, I mean, they've done an amazing job, but there's, you know, there's so many little things that you have to sort of go in and fix and make sure everything's working well. And, and it's not a traditional, you know, experience. So there's not, you know, there's no guidebook for this. Um, we kind of have to figure out how to, you know, um, bridge the gap between the things that, you know, a a typical cam girl would be able to do and what a virtual cam girl is able to do, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Part of that is just making sure that she has the tools in her space to be able to to do different things. So I mentioned the lens of truth. She's also got her her little Lovense Lush toy that is also like virtual in the experience. Um, mm-hmm. She has a gigantic, gigantic like dildo thing. It it looks like it's made of sort of clear silicone, and <laughs> she just. I mean, she doesn't. It's not something that she uses sexually. She plays it like an air guitar sometimes. She's (laughs) she's, uh, she's really fun. She's so much fun. Y'all, if you haven't checked out Vex Ruby, even if you're not into like the sexy stuff, she's just really fun. So treat yourself. She,
1: I mean, she seems like it and I am definitely going to check that out now. I I didn't look at Chatterbait or or the uh, Plexstrom, but I did look at Vero because I was looking at the opportunities. I, I honestly just stumbled upon it looking at Researching VR and porn or related topics.
2: Mm.
3: Researching. Researching. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Double quotes, research.
1: Really tough research uh, (laughs) that I had to put myself through. Actually, to be honest, some of it was tough. (laughs) No, I understand yeah
0: <laughs> there's a there's a lot sure. of variety out there yeah so, yeah exactly
1: <laughs> to stumble upon stay. uh certainly yeah um <laughs> but okay so uh checking out vero so that i don't know if vero stands
2: for something actually but it's v-
1: v- well it I-R-O. was v rose vero- is the initial
0: like Ooh. representative right
2: yes v rose has sort of stepped back and yeah. passed the torch to VexRuby as our as our uh uh virtual spokesperson um mm-hmm. Got it. It was originally called Virtual Romance Club, um, and we shortened mm. it to Vero Playspace yeah. because... It's a little um, easier. Right. So when we have the social area, that's going to be Vero Club. And Vero Playspace is where you can go and watch these sort of pre-generated solo experience. Well, they're not solo, but they're meant to be enjoyed largely solo. I mean, right. live your life however you want to. But yeah. um,
0: but they're interactive. They're real-time. Um, or n- not a but...
2: They're not. uh, They're not controlled real time. They're all pre, like pre-made, pre-scripted. Some of them are interactive, Mm though. the 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 latest one that we released is this cool succubus experience where um, she wants you to use like a toy on her first, and then she hands you a candle and she wants you to pour wax on her breasts, and then she (laughs) she gets hers and she does her thing that she likes to do, and she's really cool. You know.
1: This is sorry I got lost somewhere in there about this is so there's the the play space is this what you're describing a 2 like a, a game experience or a 2D experience or a virtual reality experience
2: It's a VR experience but it can be okay. enjoyed if you don't have a VR headset you can still watch it. it Okay um, yeah. Okay and it um probably the biggest aspect of it is it connects to I mean we say over 45 different uh sex toys but it's That number is probably actually closer to 200. Um, Oh, wow. Any, like, pretty much any toy that uh, can connect via Bluetooth Mm -hmm. is compatible with Vero Club. There might even be some non-Bluetooth ones that are compatible. I don't know off the top of my head. But yeah, we support almost every major, you know, connectable toy for whatever genitalia you might possess.
1: And that's all available now or, cause I know that Vero is also it's building, right? So they they've only just begun in some way. So I'm, I'm curious with what is technically out there now and what's being worked on for the future.
2: We have eight solo experiences available right now. Um, and you know, there's all different kinds of content. There's one where there's like a furry girl. There's, um, a bi male experience. There's, I mean, there's just a bunch of different things and that's mm. what we sort of consider our first season. Um, the next season is going to be, you know, another probably eight experiences. One of them is actually featuring me, so I got to sort of direct uh, a whole thing just whatever I wanted to do, and they um, they created a virtual character of me, which is really great for my ego <laughs> and narcissism. <laughs> um, but so that's going to be out. Um, I don't have a date for it, but that's going to be one of the next releases in that regard. And then we're also working on creating, you know, the social spaces, the Vero Club, which will be, you know, part of Vero Play Space. So right now, great. Vero Play Space is something to enjoy by your, yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. then later, probably later this year, in the near future, it's also going to be something where you can enjoy it with someone else remotely. Um, ideally, even yeah. connect to their connected toys and stimulate right. each That's... other's, you know, devices.
1: So I feel like we should give some context on TeleDildonics because it actually did come up in a previous episode, which was with I Evie. think episode four yeah. with Evie. Yeah. Why did it come up though? Do you remember, Jay? Evie. Uh,
0: Evie, Evie Powell. Powell?
1: I thought you met
0: the porn star. Oh no! Uh, no, we hadn't talked. To Unless her
1: yet, we don't know something about yeah. her. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's the same one. Uh, <laughs>
0: no. But no, but I, I don't. Yeah. I don't remember exactly how that conversation had come up. I think we were just talking about connecting over distance and might have been um, gaming.
1: We talked a lot about romance, like dating sims and mm-hmm. and romance virtual virtual romance in that sense. So it probably came up in that
0: it was uh because we we were confusing the the term pervasive games i think for to mean something like perversion or anything like that and she's like well there no. is something like tel- not no that that's it, definitely that was... not it because no? neither
1: of you knew what te- you're making shit up
0: right maybe now. maybe i am i'm just constructing an <laughs> there, entire memory you, of this. you are <laughs>
1: constructing a whole story and i know that because i knew what teledildonics was and you guys didn't and she could not oh. stop giggling at the word <laughs> It's after I said it after I said it like twenty minutes later, she started laughing again. So I'm sure you're you're familiar with this, Ella. It's like a it's a word that seems to trigger people into into
2: silliness. Yeah, it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, I think it does.
0: <laughs> I like saying Portmanteau Teladildonics.
3: <laughs>
2: teledildonics. <laughs> uh,
1: anyways, so what is teledildonics? Um Ella, how about you explain?
2: Um teledildonics describes um connecting sexual devices across distance. So that could mean um I have a sex toy here in Los Angeles and my partner has a sex toy in uh Brazil, let's say. (laughs) I don't know. I don't have a partner in Brazil, but maybe maybe they took a trip. And um (laughs) But I'd like one. (laughs) (laughs) But I'd like one. (laughs) And um if I have, let's say like a dildo Anything that I do to that device would be reciprocated in the other person's device. Um mm-hmm. similarly, if you're watching m- most VR porn, um mm-hmm. there's some metadata in that that sends signals to your device so that it can reciprocate the action on the screen um and stuff like that. So it syncs yeah.
0: up with with movement and rhythm and all that, yes, yeah, a couple so it's a remote other, control,
1: yeah. Um, some other interesting notes on that. So one is it doesn't technically have to be by distance. I know that Love ends for for instance, has created super small devices, so like you can be out in public and using mm-hmm. these things, and so you oh, can go you out in private. Like, got it? Right. So I mean, so there's obviously different types of toys that function within the uh, remotely, and some of those you wouldn't want. To probably bring out publicly, it would be pretty obvious. (laughs) And, uh, but at least I know that Lovins, and I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure other companies. Are, are working on it as well, where uh, they're so small that you can wear them in some way, uh, like, you know, inside yourself or within your underpants or something like that. So you can just go out in public with these things and play around with them, like with yourself or with a loved one at the mall or something
3: <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> I am a
1: The another. most
2: uncomfortable... <laughs> Uh, dinner experience when Uh a former absolutely wretched roommate of mine um, we Uh went to dinner for her birthday and her boyfriend had gotten her one of those and was messing around with the app on his phone at the table and it's like guys we fucking live two blocks from here could you fucking can you act right
1: Jesus
3: see that feels
2: like I think if you're gonna do that do
1: it just like the two of you or whoever's in on it like do it together, but don't invite other people into that weird experience. If they don't
0: want to be. Exactly. (laughs) If they don't want to be. If you
1: want a group thing or somebody wants to watch, no problem. But but yeah, Yeah. and that's it doesn't sound like it was consensual.
2: I was fine. I was fine with it. It was just, it was awkward. It's the kind of thing where like, okay, if you guys want to do that, I know we're all fucking weirdos here. Cool. But you got to keep it on the DL because I don't want the waiter to walk into some, you know, non consensual (laughs) sexual experience that they didn't fucking sign up for because they're just trying to work And do their job and serve us nice
0: food.
1: So just
2: you know, just be
1: discreet. Have some respect for
0: the people around because they're not necessarily on the same page as us.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you could just tell the waiter that you were reenacting a scene from when Harry met Sally. Um, you're like we're, we're actors we are performers i mean you're not, you're not
3: lying necessarily. we're in character right um, now it's los right. angeles
2: everybody here right. all, the waiter is probably an actor too yeah that's
0: true yeah they're like i got gotcha, there's cameras gotcha. in the back in yeah. the kitchen right this is being filmed right now
1: <laughs> oh man but anyway so that okay yeah so that's teledildonics i feel like there was I, before we leave also, that yeah go ahead i do yeah. really
0: like the way that, that that this performer or uh performer uh this reporter for vice had put it um as just dildos across time or dildos across space
3: yeah exactly because <laughs>
0: i'm just imagining them flying through like a starry backdrop <laughs> and, like that should be the ad for these. like
1: a, like a dildo with a cape <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> or like the nyan cat where there's a rainbow firing out from behind just like dildos across space and time. Yeah.
2: In this quarantine, I could definitely see those dildos wearing capes. They really are the the real heroes right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So the other interesting thing I found out now, I don't, I'm not for, as familiar with the history, but it seemed like to me that Lovens, that company, was one of the pioneers, if not the pioneers, of Teledildonics, and that they first incorporated with Skype. like that's how that's what they were compatible with so they worked through skype first to to make the toys compatible with that yeah i did not know that um but i i hope i'm not making stuff up but i swear i read (laughs) it Um, well i at least know that that's true for them i don't know if they were the first to pioneer that stuff but um on their website they have like a history of every product they've they've come out with and um they used to they originally started it through skype which i found fascinating and it also makes me very curious about the technical back end of that i just Mm -hmm. don't like how they made that all work how they worked with skype because i'm also wondering (laughs) like does microsoft know and uh, at the time like was skype under microsoft at that time or maybe they weren't microsoft acquired skype right so maybe they were on their own and that's why it worked
0: because Skype was Anyways. originally these two guys from Estonia, I believe that that built it, and then they got bought later on. They were they ended up with a lot of money. It was really the point. there. Yeah, <laughs> um, Microsoft acquired them. But uh, this yeah, but I just found is, that
1: I found that pretty fascinating. Yeah,
0: yeah this whole space is really interesting um, for me personally because I grew up in like I had so many long distance relationships growing up for whatever reason. I think just from traveling around a lot um, over my teenage and early twenties. Um, so I ended up in these situations where, you know, you are Skyping with someone all the time in order to feel connected with them from across great distances. And if you, you just imagine the extension of having these kinds of more rich or visceral ways of interacting, uh, with, with someone that you, that you want to be intimate with across distance. It's just, it's crazy that that is, that's where we're moving into now.
2: Yeah. Um, ends is, I, so I didn't know about the Skype thing. I think that's really fascinating. Um. A lot of, I, mm, I'm not sure how Skype feels about people doing adult stuff on their platform. So not me, of course, but (laughs) a lot of people still use that for, you know, for just one to one cam stuff because, you know, you get a better percentage than going through a cam site for it. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, Levins is a really, really fast, they're one of the the leaders in the space. Um, I'm a big fan of them.
1: Yeah. Wait, yeah. Sorry. What did you mean about that? You get a better percentage on Skype. Oh, well, like because as far you, as pay.
0: Or yeah,
2: because it's just one to one. Like you just Got have one hundred percent of what the person is paying instead of paying the percentage to the site.
0: Yeah. Got it. I. You're see. not looking it's for like, change from an audience. You're you're like setting up a session with. Kind somebody. of like
2: going through maybe PayPal
1: for friends and family instead of through PayPal <laughs> for business. Yeah,
2: like that. <laughs> like that. PayPal also not super friendly with the porno folk.
0: I feel like everybody. There is a general sort of stigma that is very strong around the industry as a whole.
2: You don't fucking say, Jay.
0: Can we d- can we dig into that a little bit? Like, I want I want to hear some just general <laughs> accounts or stories and and anecdotes from you on just how you've been dealing with that over the past ten years, and particularly when you particularly when you're trying to go in a direction that is very sort of like pioneering in this domain, you're trying to invent and build new things, um, but people are still really stuck in this very antiquated view of the whole industry.
2: So this is uh, something that I see. When tech people decide they want to start adult companies, and I've, you know, this is something I've helped guide some of the companies that I've worked with uh, through, because when you're when you come from the tech space, right, you
3: mm-hmm.
2: have a very clear sense of um, how your business runs and what tools, what uh, you know, SaaS and and B two B companies okay. and tools are available. Um, you probably have a favorite host, a favorite payment processor, everything. Mm-hmm um even you know email distribution you right. what you use
0: you have a whole technology stack that is part of your business
2: yeah. yeah with adult it's like you're in a similar workshop but none of the tools that you're used to are the same tools um we have i mean there are adult specific hosting uh-huh. sites payment like several payment processors All um right. there's uh, why not mail handles all of the, the email distribution because um, other companies won't let you distribute adult content. Um, yeah, everything. Oh, my um, gosh. So it, so it has yeah.
1: mostly to do with the fact that companies don't want to be associated with adult content. Yeah. Not like, like, like some like, sort of technical
2: capability challenge.
1: Like oh, yeah.
0: MailChimp doesn't want to have people sending out campaigns for a certain mm. subset of content that could possibly <laughs> be sent out.
2: Yeah, they uh um, Back in the day when I first launched uh, VR Tube, we were doing uh, the first VR live cam shows, mm. and I didn't realize that Mailchimp had a thing against it at all. I don't know why I didn't assume that everybody does, but um, but yeah, we got <laughs> a very very polite email that we could no longer use their services, but but they were very kind oh. about it. But okay. yeah, it's just everything. Um, one of the things. So I used to be on the board of the Adult Performer Advocacy Committee, which was you know mm. a, a an adult performer advocacy group. We did political advocacy and and stuff like that. Um, and we helped hash out a deal with a credit union here in Los Angeles that is totally cool. If you do porn, if you have a porn company, like they're, they're on board, they're, they're good. So that was good because, um, Mm. Chase and Wells Fargo, I believe have actually shut down performer accounts because they found out the source of the income. PayPal will completely freeze your account if they find out that, you know, that you're using it for, for adult purposes. Um, stuff like that.
0: Is I don't it?
1: know why I'm surprised, but I feel <laughs> surprised because I think mainly I'm thinking, geez, that has to do so much with some sort of moral code because it's obviously not... For banks to turn down profitable industries, <laughs> I it just it blows my mind that their yeah. moral code would be so strict that that's what they would decide. And I'm like, what's making them decide that? Is it, is it because they're worried that other people won't won't work with them then because they're associated with it
2: so most companies it it comes down to basically pleasing the the board of directors and the people who mm-hmm. are actually giving yeah. them funds and they don't want to be associated with with you know stuff like that it's very yeah. sanctimonious and moralistic with mm-hmm. banks i think it's i mean there's definitely some of that but with banks it was because adult businesses are considered high risk merchants um oh same with cannabis. So with the emergence of, of, you know, legalized or or at least accessible cannabis, a lot of banks sort of revisited those policies. And as a result, even the adult industry sort of benefited from that a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. so, so yeah, it comes down to high risk.
0: They're just having to take like a, a a more progressive reassessment of their policies on that.
2: Exactly. But high risk in what regard? Chargebacks for one um
0: chargebacks
2: chargebacks so um so if i buy a subscription to a porn site Mm -hmm. and i am doing that because i want to masturbate and i want to do that all of my own volition i can then call my credit card company when you know my partner finds out and gives me grief about it oh Oh, no that someone must have stolen my credit card number i'm going to call the credit Uh, card company they're going to reverse that charge
0: wow okay i didn't think about that wow
1: So frustrating, too, because as soon as you said the thing about the the board of directors, which I agree with and makes so much sense, I'm imagining all a bunch of men and <laughs> uh, and I'm imagining and that nearly BC. all of them use uh, like uh, like porn.
0: Have at <laughs> and, some point engaged with porn as an industry. Yeah. And as that a they go
1: home and do that and then go to work and say, yeah, I would I don't want to be associated with with <sighs> this industry. It's just yeah. it. We oh, yeah, have such blows an unhealthy. Mind, such is
2: life, I suppose. People point with one hand and jerk off with the other. It happens
0: <laughs> oh, I love that. Everywhere. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. uh, that, is, that is the most amazing way that I've ever heard that phrase. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't, it's just it's incredible how unhealthy this this uh, like idiosyncratic relationship we have with our with with sex in general is. Yeah. Professionally as well in that everyone knows that it exists. Everyone, most people engage with the industry in some capacity, whether they're, they are, uh, they're, you know, paying for, or interacting with the content um, or maybe they are, you know, benefiting from the, the business in itself, but don't talk about it. Um, It's just, I, I, I really, I want to figure out how to help that narrative become healthier. And I feel like this is one of, This is one of the reasons why we really wanted to sit down with you and have this conversation in the first place is because that same mentality in a lot of ways has been pretty pervasive in the XR space as well. Mm -hmm. I've been engaging with this space for the last couple of years now, and it was very rare that conversations about this huge subset of XR come up, that people are comfortable with openly talking about it in the other areas of the Mm -hmm. industry.
2: I've spoken at a lot of XR conferences um, a couple years ago. I was I was gone more than I was home, just speaking all over. Um, and one of the things that I saw a lot is that um people would come to my talks expecting it to be something really uh salacious and really, you know, just raunchy, I guess. And I can make porn so fucking academic and boring. On, like if, if you let me um and just really speak to it like i don't know i think some people thought that i was gonna like start doing like phone sex or something on the stage Yeah, or, like performing
0: or, on stage or something
2: yeah like that's yeah. no that's none of you assholes are paying me
0: i don't think so <laughs> that's not why i'm here
2: <laughs> yeah. nice try um but uh svbr i think was the first one to invite me to speak on on the subject, and they, you know, they had faith in me to not, I don't know, show my ass figuratively yeah, or literally. And um, <laughs>
0: that is so weird.
2: And yeah, but Ugh. one of the things that I've also noticed is it's no secret that this is, you know, the space that I am in, and that's the right. the industry that I'm in. People don't know how to talk about it. People don't know how to talk to me about it. It's mm. either you know really really sort of walking on eggshells or or avoiding it and avoiding me altogether because it makes them uncomfortable which you know what that's cool you do or people who think that because i work in this space that i am the person to share very like private personal sexual stuff with or or that they could just like talk to me in a way that is really like not how they would talk to anybody. Yeah. Right, right. Just
0: <laughs> like, just jump in with me on, on this topic yeah. that I don't really want to know about, even though I work in this space or I don't necessarily, I don't know you.
1: <laughs> it's like how people talk to doctors. They're like, so I have this gross boil on my, on my vagina. Can you take a look? It's like, we're having a friendly dinner, you freak.
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. It's, I mean, there's a time and place and, you know, if if that's a conversation you want to have with me, that's, first of all, not going to happen at, at this conference that I'm at. And it's definitely not going to happen for free. And also, mm, just read the fucking room, you know? like Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just pay attention to the social context that we're in. Just because I work in porn does not mean that that is me 24-7. And you yeah. can just jump into that context.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah this this actually so doing some research in trying to understand where things are out in this space prior to this conversation one of the rabbit holes that i really got deep into is this whole debate between what to call content or various artistic expression in this domain whether people want to label it as erotica Um, and imply that some subset is more artistic in a certain way and therefore it deserves to not be called porn versus calling something pornography and the negative stigma associated with pornography versus Mm -hmm. erotica. Do you have any thoughts on that?
2: (laughs) I just call it adult content. Um, There is stigma associated with the word pornography um, Mm. and there's a lot of history there. Um, Erotica, I mean... If, if you're the one creating it, call it whatever the hell you want. But right. if it's to make people jerk off, like it's all—it's all geared towards the same purpose, right? Right. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not opposed to the word "porn." It's—it's it's porn. It, that's what it is, you know. I feel like some people really shy away from that, and it, not just on a personal level, but even I've seen like on a corporate level where companies mm. will call themselves tech companies when it's like no you're not just a tech company you're making pornography that's fine (laughs) like respect the people who are you know showing their sexual you know engagements to the world through your your platform like have enough respect for them to not shy away from you know what you're doing what it is it's fine there's nothing wrong with it and I feel like that just really contributes and and furthers the stigma surrounding it like yes it's porn that's what it is enjoy it or don't yeah Yeah.
0: it seems like there's a lot of people in the industry that are actually starting to try and like diverse parties that are trying to take back that term and and de-stigmatize it by just using it as more of a blanket term like yes you can call the full spectrum of these things pornography and that's fine it doesn't you can't we don't need to say porn and assume that that means this negative exploitative power dynamic thing
1: exactly exactly one thing I'm curious about is that the transition into pornography, you do have to mentally accept, like I've heard you say before, that it's going to change everything because once you're into porn, you're you're no longer not in it. And doors close for you. Like you can't become, uh, there are certain jobs that will close to you and people will, may always associate it with you or be able to find your content. And so was that something that you were fully aware of and when you entered or something you discovered afterwards and and what was your mental process with that acceptance or embracing that?
2: Um, So I was not always um, very sort of open about my sexuality, Um, quite the opposite actually. And Mm -hmm. I had at one point in my Younger adult life, very negative, stigmatized views about sex work and sex workers, and I decided, you know, I had just gotten out of a really shitty, controlling relationship, and I decided that, you know what, fuck it. I've been modeling for a few years. I saw this ad for, um, for fully clothed hardcore bondage, which like, mm-hmm. even if it's fully clothed, the intent is to create fat material and. That's what it is. So I went into it knowing that I was doing that, but it was sort of like a soft, you know, step into that space just to see, just to challenge myself because. Just to
0: dip your toe in. Yeah.
2: And because if, if this really is such a terrible space, if these performers really are these, you know, poor victims, why do they all seem so fucking happy? So I decided to to just try it. And I I was ready to to hate it. I was ready to have a really, you know, uncomfortable, negative experience. But mm. it was so lovely. I was a reference librarian at the time. And mm. I made more in an hour than I made in a day at the job I had to get a master's degree to do. And I was yeah. respected so like the director was so kind. I mean, he looked like a youth minister. He was so uh <laughs> Cautious and careful to make sure that I was never uncomfortable, that I knew that, you know, if anything isn't, you know, something I feel comfortable or safe doing, we can do something different. Making sure I knew my safe words, making sure I had my own special, like, changing room where, you know, there's never going to be any cameras in this room. This is your private space, stuff like that. And it just, it was incredible. And, after that, I started doing a few similar gigs with other directors. And then I decided to try doing a nude photo shoot. And then I figured, you know, put those two together and <laughs> fuck it, just let's do this. And yeah. I was making so much from it that it just made sense to, to move to LA and pursue it full time. But I did that knowing that librarians are just massive, massive free speech advocates. Librarians have gone to jail to protect people's privacy to consume, you know, whatever content they they choose to. And so I had a pretty strong feeling that I probably could go back to being a librarian at some point later if I chose to. Um, but I did mm-hmm. know that, you know, there were going to be a lot of jobs I couldn't do after that, and that became incredibly apparent the longer I was in the industry. Um, mm-hmm. So a few years ago, there were an uncomfortable number of suicides in my community and I lost some really good friends. And I gave a talk just sort of outlining how, um, you know, when you decide that you're done, it can be so hard to leave because this, you know, the fact that you did adult, uh, adult content just follows you. Um, mm-hmm. I highlighted 10 different people and, you know, some you'd expect teachers and stuff like that, but there was one young man who was even fired from his job at Subway because he did, like, a few gay porn scenes. Like, we can't even make a fucking sandwich wow. for people afterwards. And that, I think, is its very heavy because it can be a really, really great industry full of really great people. But sometimes you just burn out and, and yeah. you're done. And once you burn out and you're done, when there's no other place you can go, nothing else you can do, that's when it starts to be really, really heavy, you know?
0: He starts to become a prison almost at that point. I've
2: been very lucky in that I've been able to transition to doing, you know, more marketing and and sort of business side of things in the adult Mm. space. But even, you know, working in those professional roles for several years now, other companies still probably wouldn't hire me. I had a hell of a time finding work last year because
0: Mm. porn. Yeah. How do you, how do you go about actually finding in investment and interest in that space when there's so many challenges in place to for any sort of venture, whether it's individual um, or business related?
2: It's really hard. I mean, it's already hard finding investment, no matter what kind of startup right, you're running. Right. <laughs> Normally, yeah, but yeah. the the number of you know VCs and investors that are willing to work also with the adult space. Are mm-hmm. Very, very few and far between. I know people who've worked for years trying to find support for their companies. Most of it's just bootstrapped.
0: So, like, Vero, is, they're reliant on Patreon right now, right? Yes, we have a have, Patreon. Is the intent to continue to be a crowdsourced or crowdfunded platform?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've pretty much. Um between, well, not not crowd through like Patreon, but eventually, you know, we're monetizing the experiences. We're monetizing the app oh, right, on Steam. Right. Um, we're going to monetize the social spaces. So it'll be, you know, small transactions for for social right. things like with cam like with campsites, and you know, charging for the the experiences that we have in Vero Place space, which we've been doing for a while. Um, mm. We have a few different different avenues that we that we source from affiliate marketing, for one.
0: I need a little bit more of a a sort of context on that. Yeah. That so looks like here.
2: affiliate marketing is, um, a company, for example, Leventz will yeah. set up an, an affiliate marketing, um, you know, platform for their, mm. for their products and you sign up for an affiliate account, you get your unique affiliate link. And anytime somebody makes a purchase through your link, you get a percentage of that purchase.
0: Oh, okay. Gotcha. So they're, they're partnerships that you're kind of getting a, a, a small stream of the the profit or revenue that comes from those those ads for somebody like Levens or... Exactly. Gotcha.
1: So yeah. you're working in marketing, you said, now mostly for adult VR. Uh, but before that, so first of all, you said that you've been working in this space, not necessarily uh, pornographic VR, the XR space, but I'm assuming pornography in general for over 10 years now, right? Yes. Yeah. Um...
2: 2009 was when I started so gosh th- almost 11 now um yeah I started off doing you know like fetish videos bondage videos mm-hmm. stuff like that small clips for small producers then I moved out to LA my first like hardcore scene was for fuckingmachines.com. Uh, a subsidiary of kink.com and oh. it was in the big kink.com armory in San Francisco, <laughs> um, which was literally uh, an arm and I think a national guard armory that they converted into this like palace of bondage porn. Whoa. Um, oh my God. So cool. It was really cool and it was really fun and man, I miss, I miss that, that space. They stopped shooting there a few years ago, turned it into an event space and I think eventually sold it. But, um, <laughs> It was so cool. They had a club uh, across the street that they owned, and if you're a performer, you'd get a discount. And they had like dorms, so you know if they flew me out and I was going to shoot two days in a row, I could just stay in the dorm, and it was just really fun. Really, really great people. Um,
1: San Francisco seems like generally a pretty open area sexually, uh, and it. it has a lot of it has a lot of events or spaces that, or even just nights where they they celebrate certain kink. Yeah, for sure. So uh congrats on like a decade in yeah. in your work. Thank I you. mean.
0: That's a big milestone. These days
1: people don't yeah, stay in <laughs> stay in one place for very long. Uh but you've also been, I mean, like your origin story makes me think that you sound like somebody who seems to not it's like what drives you is discomfort in a way where you feel like if you get too comfortable in life then you're not doing enough. Is that true?
2: Yeah, I, that's, that's very insightful. And I think that that's accurate. Yeah.
0: That seems like there was something that you were very afraid of, or maybe you had this stigma against early on. um, And so you were just, you made the decision that I'm going to go throw myself into that thing I'm afraid of and that I dislike and have all these negative feelings towards because I just want to, you wanted to disrupt your own, your own perception on it potentially.
2: Yeah, basically.
1: I wanted to see what it was like. Was that the same mentality you had around
2: entering the the virtual reality space as well? Yeah, kind of. So I had become familiar with VR and I really wanted to do VR porn. Uh, This is back in uh, 2014. And I'm not like a famous porn star, you know, like I'm (laughs) whatever. So I figured eventually porn would adopt VR and maybe in a few years somebody might actually hire me to do it and then one day I was chilling out just browsing Reddit and I saw somebody post about how they want to start a VR porn company but they didn't know how to get performers and I'm a performer Mm. who wanted to do VR porn so um so yeah that's sort of how we linked up
0: is that the same person that you're still roommates with now yes okay Um, so that that that, you guys are besties now right
2: (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah I guess so We tolerate each other. No, he's yeah, he's my best friend.
1: Sounds like Jay and I. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, So,
1: but in 2014, there was not the consumer headsets weren't out. So, what did you even know about quote unquote VR porn at that time? The consumer headsets didn't come out until I think 2016 or 2017. And before that, like the DK1 out. Yes. Yeah okay but not ever not most people are not familiar with that like it wasn't something obviously you had to be a developer to get your hands on it and even just knowing about vr i think was like you almost had to go searching for it or accidentally stumble into the topic Mm -hmm.
2: um i um i'd been going to e3 for a few years at that point so i was i think i might have seen it at e3 um and my, my business partner did a lot of research. He's very, uh, very tapped in and very, if not the most intelligent person I know, then definitely up there. Um, and really, really good at like just quickly learning and mastering new topics. So that like the, the actual VR side of it, the, the technical aspect was his genius. Um, I approach technology through the lens of how can I use this to fuck or how can I use this to let people watch me fuck. So VR obviously was great right. in that regard. Um, yeah. I think there was only one other company at the time. Um, mm. And so we went into it. Initially we did, you know, 3D 180 video and then we tried doing 3D 360 video and it made some of the most un offable porn <laughs> ever. It was bad. <laughs> I, I, I had to learn, you know, like
1: what was right. But what was bad
2: about it? I approached it (laughs) through the lens of cinematography when it's better to approach it as though you're producing theater.
0: Oh, right. This is like that whole dynamic where 360 or 180 or whatever um, immersive sort of film is not nearly the same as actually framing a shot and getting a cinematic cinematic angle Mm -hmm. on something. It's more like a live performance.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And so I made some stuff that I mean, it felt voyeuristic, but not in like a fun, sexy way. Just in a like, hmm. well, there's two girls fucking over there. They uh, they sound like they're having fun. Wish I was also having fun. <laughs> I
0: mean, this isn't fun for me, but yeah. interesting.
2: Yeah. Good. Good for them, I guess. <laughs> um, but ultimately, we ended up um, from there. We used a Microsoft Connect to create. Um, to create content that was a little bit more immersive and it was and it was really cool um -hmm. and we wanted to find something we knew that eventually eventually the big porn companies are going to come in and you know they're gonna be rolling in money already and they're not going to have the limitations that we have um so -hmm. we wanted to find something that would be a little bit less successful and a you know less obvious So we started using the, the connect to make um, sort of volumetric content. And Mm -hmm. then we used that to create a dating sim. So it was this, we, we sat in this, this room at his college and it was just covered in whiteboards and all kinds of little, like mentally stimulating like toys and and stuff, just like an idea room. And we sketched out this whole conversation tree. So it started off with me sitting down at this rainy cafe and, you uh, you have three diff- three or four different options of what you want to say or how you want to respond to me. And based mm. on what you say, um, it would play the next clip. So I had to film every clip, making sure that my posture is exactly the same at the beginning and at the end so it can transition seamlessly from, from clip yeah. to clip. All of these Ugh. branching
0: possibilities Pressure. in the conversation.
2: <laughs> exactly. And if you said something too sexual too soon... And you hadn't earned enough invisible like rapport points because there was like a, a, right. a secret point system. You had to quantify it somehow. Yeah. yeah. If you say something too, too sexual too soon, I'm just like, mm, yeah, I got to go later. So it was sort of a subtle, <laughs> ditch. yeah, like a, a, a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, or if like your, your headset was pointed down to my tits, I'd be like, uh, excuse me, eyes are up here. What's up? Um,
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So you're like training better social behavior exactly sort of dating context
2: and it felt like you were talking to a person but yeah looking back on it it was only i think it only worked on the dk2 i don't even think you could use it on a cv1 at this point if you had it but um that was the cool part of it so then we were like well what if we just make it so you can actually talk to a real person and then we did the the cam thing and yeah and that was really cool we licensed it to a cam uh company for a few years and then decided to close down our adult company and start a non-adult company, um, okay. which is what he and I are doing now. We're working on a really cool, I'm not sure how much I can talk about it, but a really, really cool, like, sandbox-style, like, app where you can make games and share games and play games. And
3: oh. there
2: are a lot of really cool uh, developer um, tools in it. So you don't have to know, you know, C Sharp. You don't have to learn Unity. You can It's sort of a shortcut, oh, yeah. and there's... I don't want to say more than I'm supposed to but it's going to be awesome. And oh,
0: uh, that's exciting.
2: You will have to keep us posted on
0: definitely. that. We're
1: big. Uh, we've talked a lot in some other episodes about accessibility for people into gaming and the VR world. And some of, speaking of stigmas, the stigma against people who don't know how to code and their ability to create games mm-hmm. or to participate in the creation of games or virtual experiences. Yeah. And so that's right up my alley, at least. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel definitely that.
0: Definitely mine as well. <laughs> Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. that's so cool. So that so that uh, the cam company that was cam for VR. <laughs> that's what that was called, yes. right? Okay. So that's since that since been you said bought or retired. Um, the license expired, and
2: we just decided we yeah, wanted okay. to move on.
1: Yeah, cool. And so you've really explored and you've played around with the XR space, and it's brought you uh, outside of porn in many ways. Um, but you're also continuing to market and work with companies like Vero. It sounds like, <laughs> uh, which is still. Uh, very closely tied and integrated within the XR space. Yes, yeah.
2: absolutely.
0: So in the video game space, it's particularly interesting when you start dealing with those sorts of interpersonal interactions. And when it's not a real other person on the other side, and you're in a first person experience, uh, a lot of the critique of like dating sims and things in in interactive mediums, like video games, is that you can be creepy. You can do things that are not socially acceptable, and a lot of times developers handle that in a way that is not actually conducive to encouraging socially responsible and appropriate behavior. Um, so, like, how are you? How are you all dealing with those kinds of problems in like Vero, um, or the kinds of things that you've learned in trying to create a healthier interaction in a virtual space like that?
2: So, one of the things is making sure that the characters we create, especially the ones that are based on real people, are only used in the context of the app. So, you know, you're not going to take my my avatar and put her into some some situation that I wouldn't, uh, you know, be cool with. Um, and making sure that performers will eventually have the right, you know, after a certain amount of time, if they don't want it up anymore, then they can have it removed. Mm. Um, also making sure that... They're not used, well, just sort of in a context that I've seen some other companies who make, uh, you know, avatars of real people and then putting right. them into scenarios that are just awful. Um, yeah, The experiences we create are, are s- sort of s- scripted. So it, you can't really deviate from what's happening. You can't, you know, stand up and like slap someone. Um, it's mm. It's all very sort of... I don't know, procedural. Um, so those are those are some of the ways that we're, we're doing that, making sure that, you know, you're not going to completely flip the script and, and do something awful. And, yeah. you know, we don't want to be the place that encourages that. Um, or like and
0: exploiting make, people's imagery or exploiting their representation virtually. Yeah, exactly.
2: I read something about how there are people who are creating, you know, pornographic avatars of people's, like, ex-girlfriends so that they can do Uh, whatever that sucks. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Ensuring that people have control over their image and the way that it's used is something that's very, very important to us. So that's,
3: Uh and
2: and Vero, you know, the team is just, they're also focused on on being ethical, on being sex positive, and on being safe and consensual. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I joined them because I really like their whole ethos. Totally.
1: Jay and I both noticed that. We both subscribed through Patreon. Oh, thank you. And <laughs> yeah. Uh and I was blown away by that and sent it to a friend who's very interested in the space, also in terms of how can we redefine in the future intimacy and sex because a lot of the things that attract me and I know Jay to XR and the industry in general is the opportunity to redefine is this chance where we have a new world, we can create a new platforms. And so how can we, how can we redefine the, our our uh, language and, and experience within that and Vero is taking that and doing very sex positive, very open, uh, and, and very respectful to everyone in when they're bringing that to the, to the Vero space. And that's something that I just, I can't support enough. And I, I hope that more people do that. That's part of the reason we do this podcast is so that we can make people aware of what's available and also bring people, get people educated in the space so that they too feel like they can create their own world. Or in the case of the, the new project you're working on Ella that people can be empowered and create things themselves rather than mm-hmm. feel like like the the previous I feel like when the computer industry first started and the same with video games it felt like you were just consuming what was built by a select few
0: people yeah it's a controlled the medium is controlled by a certain demographic because they're the ones making the content um, but this and many other mediums Vero being a good example of something that's kind of changing the narrative around that, uh, in the virtual space, it's like all of those are contributing to just a healthier way forward for this domain. I mean, just to echo the things that you just said, Kelly, it's I think my biggest hope for all of this is that we can just make this space and and feeling like you actually have the ability as someone that's an end listener but is inspired by some ideas of their own, can maybe find ways to actually start getting into that, to actually start creating. And find conduits to express things that they would want to create in the space as well and have it all in a healthy like just real uh conversational context not something that is quite so stilted and where we it's just it's really about trying to bring out the humans in this whole aspect rather than focusing on like the products and the tech quite so specifically
2: absolutely absolutely and Thank you, guys. Those are really, really kind words. It's it's really nice to hear that, you know, what we're doing is resonating with people because I'm, I'm really passionate about it. And I think it's just honest, honestly just a very, very good company of very good people trying to do good things. And that's very special, especially in, you know, the adult space when there are some really big conglomerates that are absolutely just focused on the bottom line and, and the product and, and less about, you know, creating good positive fun stuff yeah and human connection yeah. i swear so
1: jay <sighs> and i is are actually closing theme. out this is Yeah, this is our, this was an experiment and this was our first season. We're actually closing out with this topic because it was one that we were really interested in. And it makes so much sense that we started out with, our first episode was on social VR and our last one is on intimacy and pornography. And throughout this whole season, what was unexpected to me at least is that we haven't gone one episode without talking about (laughs) creating connection in XR. And it's, it's shocking to me how uh, there was has been a historical argument about when you put this headset on your face and and or just any technology in general, how we get engrossed in it and how it's potentially isolating. But it's actually doing a lot of the opposite and creating yeah. connections or opening up a space, in this instance, for real, true, open intimacy that we don't necessarily get uh, at home or in our, our day-to-day lives.
2: I think that... Um, when xr was a lot more nascent than it is now a lot of people were were very alarmed at exactly that idea that people are just never gonna never gonna have real relationships or human connection again but that has been the fear of every form of media for for decades i mean that's what they said (laughs) about you know about the internet Um, but now we have, I I mean, books, uh, they said it about books. They, people were afraid about kids reading comics because they're not going to read books anymore. Um, certain kinds of pulp fiction were, were even, I think at one point banned to send through the mail because, um, you know, because it's going to ruin minds and, and it, it's reading like today you would, (laughs) you would just be overjoyed if you saw your kid reading a novel. Um, yeah. But yeah, no matter what, every new and every new space that we we enter, whether it's technology or or whatever, people are afraid that it's going to end up, you know, ruining life as we know it. And right. all it does is supplement the social connections we already have. I Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have so many friends all over the world that I connect with based on shared interests rather than, you know, geographic proximity. And and I think that's yeah. really, really special.
0: Yeah, it just, it opens, it's like, it opens up this huge canvas that wasn't there before. Yeah. Everyone first sees it as a a block or like this is going to uh, essentially stop people from having to be so imaginative. They're not going to use their brains. They're not going to use their head to to think as much because this thing compensates for it. But they really it every single time it seems to end up as a sort of stepping stone for a whole new spectrum of experiences that we couldn't have had before and that we couldn't have explored prior.
1: Absolutely. Right. Now that's not to say that it doesn't amplify totally issues <laughs> that we already have and actually <laughs> going going back to right and and I think it's true that it doesn't it it does it brings new light or darkness, I guess I should call it, to issues <laughs> that we that we already are battling. And actually, you were just talking about this this challenge with identity and uh, rights to your own persona, especially if you're being replicated. And I think Jay, I was talking to you about this before, how I came across this facts that people can 3d print a lot of things Mm -hmm. so speaking of teledildonics uh you know years ago there was this big ta-da about the fact that you could 3d print guns and um now i mean you can 3d print sex toys and you can use those in many different ways and pretty sure there's a company uh, that allows you to
0: mold yourself and then send it yeah yeah there's plenty
1: right Now, some of those are great, but then there's also the ability to this guy spent like thousands of dollars to 3D print Scarlett Johansson so that he could do what he wanted with her. And he integrated robotics so that he basically has a robot sex toy uh, doll version of Scarlett Johansson. And, you know, on the one hand, you could say that people, people masturbate to magazine covers. So what, how can you control somebody's identity that's out there when they're just out there? Yeah. Like how do you but stop then on the other hand, from I feel like, with that? Yeah. But then I feel like there should be laws in place so that you at least have some basis of defense to say you're not allowed to do that, to try and manage it in some way.
0: That's so hard in this space though. I I, I definitely want to hear your thoughts on this Ella because it's, This particular part of our psyche is very much something that at least at this point in time in history and culture, we keep it hidden. So how do you make laws that tell people they can't look at a representation of somebody else and do what they want with that, even though it's not directly tied to the other person? So that other person is completely oblivious to the activity, which ethically shouldn't be happening, really. But how do you how do we even do anything about that?
2: That is so beyond my pay grade, y'all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, hard. <laughs> it,
2: it's hard because I think that people should have some right to control their image, and that Scarlett Johansson doll is is very alarming. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that people sometimes decide that if you're if you're a public figure, and there are so many different degrees of being a public figure, that you suddenly sacrifice your right mm-hmm. to privacy or your right to I don't know, not be harassed in some way. Like
0: ownership of your your visual, your your persona.
2: Yeah. Um, but when someone's creating something for personal use like that, like I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. But I don't know how or if we should restrict something like that, or or even what that language would be, or what the repercussions would be outside of you know that particular instance, which is just
0: it's uncomfortable it is uncomfortable it's very unusual uh i'm always i'm always really hesitant to to judge people really like too harshly Mm -hmm. for these kinds of things it's disturbing to the person that finds out that somebody else has a doll of you (laughs) yeah um so like for you as the person whose representation is being used it's it's very uncomfortable um but if If an article hadn't been written up about that and Scarlett Johansson never came across this and uh, it's it's like it's like it's almost like trying to control somebody imagining you like they met you at a party and then they they have full right to think about you in their mind on their own time because it's not. But just there's no way to control that like you can't intro- control people's imaginations. And it so...
1: would be cool if you could though
0: because it... <laughs> then
1: because <laughs> then you could then you could control like I w- I'd like to make some of my exes think about me and then um, I, you know if you could if you could control when somebody thinks about you or you just not,
0: implant a little thought. Sweet.
2: If that existed yeah. you know that we would all have advertisements running through our brains every
1: 10 oh, seconds.
0: Oh god. <laughs> That's terrifying. The scary thing is
1: I feel like that's just not too far from the truth. I
0: I have a a BCI, like a a brain-computer interface that I've been experimenting with, and so I've started thinking about this stuff more because that is is a direct sort of correlation to that kind of tech becoming more widespread is if we all have a device that interacts with your brain um, and can then interface with other people or other computers or whatnot – that's like the ultimate direction that we would go is that there's going to be this more internalized level of interfacing with everyone else with our technology. Have you, have you looked into, or I guess explored any of those areas of the tech um, in, in your space in this whole domain of, um, of adult film and entertainment in in XR?
2: I have not. Um, I'm interested in, in BCI, but I feel like it's, it's. N- it's I'm early, not there. Yeah. It's very complex, and it's um. There are a lot of sort of ethical questions around it that I'm not prepared to answer. And until yeah. I can answer the ethical questions, I don't want to dive in. You know.
0: Yeah, that's the crazy thing about all this is that it's just like it puts us right at the front of, of the line and figuring out how to talk about or answer a certain question. Like, what should we be doing there?
3: Yeah.
2: Well, going back to the the sex robots, though, um, I actually worked with a company who made those based on performer images. Now, the performers were consenting to it, and oh, right, they you know ostensibly, I don't know how it ever worked out. They were supposed to get a cut of it. I didn't follow up with the company. I didn't
0: like a royalty.
2: Really like them so much, yeah. But they actually offered to make one of me, like just a one off one for me. Um, which I thought would be really cool, again, ego, narcissism. Um, (laughs) And then I thought, like, am I going to be paying rent on the space for this sex robot of myself just, like, for the novelty of it? Like, what am I going to do with that? What happens if, like, I have to move one day and my movers are like, "Um, yeah, we're going to go now. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah. Like,
1: what am I – presuming like you would just have it in your apartment you're just carrying your it out of
0: your house to put in your car it's yeah. just a full size Yeah, just be- of you
2: it's like your own personal wax museum kind of thing just like <laughs> stick it in, in the back seat of my car so I can drive yeah. in the HOV lane
1: <laughs> oh man you you could really freak some people out with that though. I know like I imagine uh, you put it in your eating, window staring out of your house would
3: be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Oh god. you're there
2: <laughs>
1: so I take it you didn't get that
2: done. No, um I decided that as cool as it would be, I did not necessarily trust a company to have that that data and mm-hmm. only use it once. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, especially like you said if you don't if you didn't have the best feelings about that company, it sounds like the right move. Mm.
0: There was a, a friend of mine who Several years ago. I don't, I don't remember how long ago. He basically he he did one of the earliest. I, I'd actually have to concern, con, confirm this now, like with what the earliest iteration of a, of a volumetric capture of a person was that was then open sourced or put online. But he basically volumetrically captured himself and put that out in the open and just open sourced it to see what would happen um to see if that would start conversations around this whole topic of owning your identity and owning your your virtual representation and start spurring uh talks about how do we regulate that like how do we protect people's identity in that when that is the world we're moving into
2: how did that yeah. turn out
0: uh i don't know i mean his 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 visual his his representation is everywhere now it's it's out there on the internet so i I don't. I think. I think he he kind of just did it as an experiment to see what would happen. So I think he kind of like let go of the reins the moment. I also happened.
1: think that the context there was he was not giving up isn't the right word or surrendering, but just basically assuming that we will have no control. So I'm just going to put myself out there now. Yeah, and I'm going to be in control of the fact that I'm out there right now and not get surprised by it later. That,
2: um, sorry to make everything about me but that reminds me one of the reasons why i decided to just totally. kind of go for it with the adult stuff is because someone uh. had some images of me that they were getting a little bit sassy oh. about and i was like well you can't let the cat out of the bag twice so i'm going <laughs> to do it myself and make money from it and you can yeah. go fuck yourself that's I mean, awesome there yeah. are revenge porn laws now but i don't think there were back then
0: but Wait, they were re- wrench porn
2: uh, revenge porn oh, like revenge po- yeah.
0: Whoa. oh yeah
2: Um, but back to the, the topic you were talking about, there was a company that I became familiar with a few years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. they did volumetric captures of, of performers and, you know, you could put them together in different, you could have them do different sex acts. And it was all sort of like, uh, early. So it was like, okay, I want them to do doggy style. I want them to do this or that. Uh, I want a lap Mm -hmm. dance. Um, I want this performer and that performer. Well, the contracts were not great, or possibly mm. uh, extant. I don't remember. Oh no! But essentially, a couple who only works together decided oh. to do it because it seemed like a cool opportunity. And then when they went to the expo to AVN, I think to see, you know, the display at the booth, yeah. the male partner was actually with a different performer which was not what they thought was going to happen. was not what they thought they were signing up for. And that's exactly the kind of thing that at Vero we're we're protecting against. Because, Mm. I mean, I saw that happen and and it was devastating for them. You know, Um, I would never want, I would never do something like that with a company that I didn't trust because Mm. I wouldn't trust them not to put me in, you know, in a scene with, you know, somebody who's on my no list, for example, or a scene doing something that I absolutely wouldn't consent to. In any mm-hmm. case, or or even, you know, it's very common for adult film performers to sort of slowly move through the different kinds of scenes or content that you'll create. So mm-hmm. a lot of people start off, you know, like I started off doing girl, girl only. And then... You eventually do, you know, your first boy girl scene and then eventually you do your first anal scene or your first gangbang. And each one of those, because it's your first, you can sort of auction off to companies and get a higher a higher rate for. But if your avatar is already doing anal when you haven't done anal yet, then you're losing money.
0: Ah, Interesting. Hmm. And they're not, it's not like a, a royalty or licensing based system of... Maybe there's not even a system really standardized for this yet.
3: <laughs> um,
0: um,
2: the company in question, um, yeah. I, I don't even know. I don't know what their con- – my understanding from an investigative reporter that I know was that it was a very, very flimsy contract that they everybody involved should have had a lawyer look over. But I'm not familiar enough with the, the discussion. Um, we <laughs> don't really do Thanks. royalties in porn, though. You get a day rate and and that's that.
3: Mm.
0: It seems like that wouldn't have to be different for this situation because it's like if you, if you translate that in the old world, you, physically you, would be the only version of you that can be in, a, in any sort of content. And then in this new world, copies of you can be in any content. So just like all these other industries that have taken uh, music essentially and now you just license it to distributors who stream it uh, and you know you're getting royalties per use. It seems like that would be the natural progression for this as well.
2: That's, I think, probably the best case scenario. Um, But again, you know, porn really loves to just tattle on itself. And (laughs) (laughs) it's like (laughs) how much money was lost when the tube sites first started because... Everyone's content was being posted up for free. And right. then eventually those mm. some of those tube sites created a system where, okay, if your content is here, you can make an account and you know, claim your content and get ad revenue from all of that. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you can send in a DMCA takedown request. But it's all very complex. And right. um, yeah, the the advent of, of very free accessible porn, if that translated here, then I mean, am I gonna be paid every time somebody illegally streams or, or downloads my, my avatar I mean how does that work um, with Vera yeah. what we're doing um, well the goal is uh you know a standard day rate for the performer and then a percentage of you know of uh, I mean basically royalties I guess
3: but the
0: experiment or the experiences yeah. that, that they show up in as they're used
2: yeah and, and it's yeah. only going to be the one experience so the experience Perfect. that I shot in December um, actually I guess, They could use my avatar if I went back and and did a new experience, but they wouldn't apply my avatar to an experience created with a different person in the mocap suit, for example.
3: Right, right.
2: Yeah. Hmm.
1: So these are all, a lot of these challenges that we're talking about, those are specific to having an avatar. Mm -hmm. But I'm also curious about when you don't have an avatar and it's just you, uh, as you, and When you got into like the 360, I know you don't perform as much anymore, uh, but you're surrounded by performers and you have this history of it. And so when you're doing the 360, 180 experiences and you don't have an avatar, what were some of the challenges then? Or was it mostly positive opportunities? Like I think I read something about how a lot of the people who had to – lay down and potentially carry equipment on them. Uh it was tough for them. And I would also imagine there's like special training going back to your point about how do you interact with the camera, because it's very different than cinematic mm-hmm. porn. So I'm curious to hear a little bit I'm about glad that.
0: You brought this back up.
2: Yeah. So um there's definitely some sort of directing and, and coaching that needs to take place ahead of time to make sure that the content is is really good. Um I shot just a handful of performers initially. Um and I learned very quickly that I, I need to really, really walk them through the best practices for what they're doing. I I ended up training uh, VR cam performers on uh, three continents, I think. Just Whoa. teaching them sort of like how to engage, how to, how to mm-hmm. really make VR work in ways that, you know, if they just took their standard cam approach, it just doesn't really work out as well. Um, so there's that. When you're creating, you know, VR porn where there's, a a body where you look down and there's, you know, a physical representation of the viewer kind of Mm -hmm. actually, you know, a performer
0: necessarily always, but somebody,
2: yeah, somebody, um, yeah, there's, it's a, it's very limiting in the way that you're Mm -hmm. able to move around. And there's different schools of thought about how interactive that performer should be with the, you know, the person who they're performing with. Um, Mm-hmm. Some viewers hate when the the talent, you know, uses their hands in any way. Mm-hmm. So because I was just telling yeah. Jane about
1: that. Because I, so I tried, you know, in my very dis- difficult research, um, <laughs> I tried a couple of these experiences. And when so of the ones that I tried, uh, I found that the ones where so again, for people who are listening, it's like I am in the headset. And most of these experiences were 180 degrees. So it's all black behind me. And I'm assuming that's largely because there's equipment, like when they're re- when you're recording uh, or producing it, there's equipment behind you, and you don't want to see the equipment. Yeah. So, it's essentially a bench and you're also frame. very focused, right? And you're also very focused on what's in front of you. So, who cares about what's behind <laughs> you? Um, in this particular <laughs> instance, though, I imagine happening. there are many where. It, I imagine certain activities you do care what's behind you. Uh, anyways, so this was all this was all just in front of me, and I had I, I was a man, and I was laying down on a bed, and I had somebody uh, mounting me, or but before that they were like talking or interacting, and the man that I I was the perspective of, he didn't talk, which makes sense because you want people to embody that character, you don't want to give them some voice that's not theirs. Yeah. But he did use his hands to be like, um, you know, uh, uh, like waving them or saying no or something (laughs) like
0: that. (laughs) What?
1: (laughs) It totally... threw me off. I was like, wait, what? Uh, And so I felt pretty disembodied from that. And so I'm just really, uh, I guess, enhancing or embellishing on what you were just saying, Ella, which is that not everybody enjoys that because it does. It does. You you get disembodied when you're seeing some other person's hands like spawn out from your body. (laughs) uncontrollably (laughs) making weird gestures. So
2: when I was creating content, I never really used, uh, like an avatar for, for the viewer. Um, partially because I, I mean, it wasn't necessary for what I was doing, Mm -hmm. but also because I, I want it to be as inclusive as possible. And I don't want someone to look down and be like, oh, cool. Another thing catered to white men. Gosh, Mm -hmm. They just oh, don't like, have enough yep. content huh. made for them, and I, unless <laughs> right. I could create a system where you could customize the body that you feel like you're in to reflect, you know, your gender and racial and just physical identity to some degree, I just didn't mm-hmm. want to fuck with it. Um, but I would say the best VR director that I've worked with is my friend Anna Lee. Um, I okay. helped. Uh, I helped her produce. series last year an asmr solo series called the black box collection and the way that she directs is really really good she first of all she always puts talent first she's just a delight of a human being but basically she would sit down the performer and say okay you're ella darling obviously that's what we're going to market this as but for Mm -hmm. this video i want you to just be you and she would use, you know, your real name to to connect with you as the person that you are. And, you know, I want you to do whatever makes you feel sexy. You can be as graphic as you want. Um, for the scenes that I did, I didn't even get naked. Um, it was really more fetishy. But really just wear whatever you want. We'll style you however you want. Uh, do whatever feels right and whatever turns you on. And anytime that you're talking to the camera, use gender-neutral language so that it is inclusive and i really loved that That's um, awesome. it was really really cool like one girl yeah. just wanted to go go in in her bathrobe so she did her scene in like started off in in a big fluffy bathrobe and <laughs> it was really cool seeing seeing a director allow us to have that much agency
0: yeah to so just kind of I craft like your own uh image in that space or like make make it your own experience
1: exactly That and you describing your first experience with doing porn in general sounds way better than what I've heard of just doing sex scenes in traditional Hollywood movies. I've heard some horror stories from that where the directors don't really respect the women in that case or they have like so many people in the room. Uh, because I think Olivia Wilde did a really good interview about Mm. this where they're just like, are you sure you need all of those people? Like it's, um, it's supposed to be, there's a term for it that I'm forgetting, but like just your, your core team closed door kind of experience. And you shouldn't be, uh, you know, have a monitor up with the entire crew Mm -hmm. being able to watch when this person's taking their clothes off. Um, so I've heard some. Some bad stories in Hollywood about that, but it really makes me genuinely happy to hear that the experiences you've had in the porn industry or related um, are are very respectful.
2: I'm sure there are some that are not, <laughs> but it's nice to know that <laughs> that that's yeah, out there. I mean, we do still frequently have a lot of like crew or a lot of people like on set or in the room, yeah. but mm-hmm. I think the nature of the work is different, you know, like mm-hmm. we are here right. to create that, not to, you yeah. Know,
1: in that case, it's like expected. You're not having somebody do a special scene where they didn't always, they didn't sign up. Well, they they do sign up for it, but it's not their
2: their forte or something, right? Like that. Um, one of the things that you know, I mentioned that I helped Anna produce that that series. Um, I created, um, what was it? Um, okay, so first of all, a performer rights sheet. So all the performers oh. have to sign something with that that spells out all of their rights on set so they know that like if you're uncomfortable say so if someone's making you uncomfortable say so if somebody touches you without your consent tell us and if you just decide that you don't want to you know you're not comfortable today and you want to end the scene and leave we're not going to you know choose not to cast you again later because of that um or Mm -hmm. if you report someone that's not gonna you don't have to worry that that's gonna you know somehow hurt your ability to work with us again later and then also um a code of conduct for everybody on set everybody who who's there um whether they're press or you know the makeup artist or you know Mm -hmm. our crew everybody had to sign this so that just we really establish sort of the atmosphere that we want to create on set so that it's, it's respectful yeah. and sexy.
1: Do you guys ever find that when, yeah. as a performer, are you learning about yourself as you're doing scenes? Like when you talked about doing this partnership with Black Box, <clears throat> is that the mm-hmm. name it was? The Black Box collection. Um, collection. And yeah, what is your prep process? Do you like write your own script? Do you improvise and... As part of it, are you kind of starting a, a playing around with what you are comfortable with and experimenting, or how does that all work? It varies.
2: Um, for Black Box, the way that Anna ran it was just—I mean, it was sort of improvised. I mean, you would mm-hmm. maybe throw out some ideas of kind of what you want to do, and you know, especially if you need, you need like certain props for it, um, right. we'd have a heads up so we can make sure we have that on hand for you. Um, on some sets, it's it is scripted. Some sets, I mean, it's fully like you know, feature length scripts, you're acting, you have to memorize lines and all of that. Um, yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's just, uh, we need 20 minutes of content. So do, you know, this, 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 do five minutes of this, five minutes of this, five minutes of this, minutes of this whatever, we're done. Um, sometimes, yeah. you know, if, like I said, if it's an anal scene, that's something that is discussed ahead of time, because, you know, you're going to be paid more. And also, some people just don't don't do that so uh, sometimes it's just specific acts are, are laid out um and sometimes it's just you know you do what feels right with your partner and when the director has enough of that and enough of that you know particular position or whatever then they give you a signal to move on to the next one and, and you do and it just it, it varies
0: do you feel like all of this sort of meshing of this traditional domain into uh this virtual context is kind of like in dealing with virtual avatars, where there's just a lot more flexibility in what you can be, what you can be interacting with, and how those interactions happen. The fact that they can happen over great distances as well, um, or with many people at once in these sort of camming situations, are these things kind of like changing the way that we that we look at sex in general? Um, is it does it feel like it's op- It opens people's sort of perception up a lot more um and does it seem like we're actually moving in a direction that is more accepting of these things from at least the the anecdotal like interactions that you have with people has that shifted over the past 10 years that you've been in this space
2: yeah i think um i think there's less and less taboo around it and less stigma especially you know with camming anybody with a webcam can be a cam performer
0: and It's kind of democratized it a bit. Yeah,
2: exactly. It's democratized it. And at this point, I think most people know somebody or know somebody who knows somebody who does some kind of sex work camming or, or what have you. Um right. and I think that that has sort of made it more tangible and more access- accessible to people and more humanizing. Um hopefully that trend continues. I mean, it's not we're not where we need to be yet, but I think right. we've come <laughs> a long way.
1: What are your what are your dreams about that future of, of sex or in, in in general, but also with XR, like you obviously have a big passion for XR and you love messing around with technology and seeing what you can do with it. And so I'm curious to see what, why, what's driving you forward? What do you have a future vision that you really want to
2: see happen? I mean, I'm really passionate about Vero and, and the social spaces that we're planning to create. Um, I really just want to see a space that is welcoming and supportive, judgment-free, where you can explore things that you think you might be into, but you're not quite ready to do it in person with a partner yet, um, mm-hmm. and, and spaces you can just sort of share and be open in general with other adults. That's one of the things I'm most excited about, actually, is not even the the sex aspect of it, but just having yeah. a social XR space that is for adults only. Because yeah. I, you know, I really like to play uh, Cards Against Humanity in alt space, but I I stopped because so frequently when I go into you know a regular social VR app, yep. there's so many children and just young young voices yeah. and yeah. I yeah. feel like a predator and and I I don't want to hang out with a bunch of preteens on the internet. That's right. That's what my parents cautioned me against when I was their age. You know yeah so I'm yeah. just looking forward to being able to hang out with with grown ups
0: yeah like I have a separate protected yeah, space uh, like an actual line because it doesn't it doesn't really exist right now um there's there's too much ambiguity in and, and sort of the people that you're interacting with on the other side because you just don't know
1: <laughs> right that is a huge challenge uh some one of our listeners was actually asking about how can you navigate parental controls with headsets, especially in relation to available porn? And it got me thinking. I thought through that and I was thinking, well, this is a bigger problem that actually yeah. has very little to do with VR because, uh, first of all, how are you already protecting them online? On the and anytime if, if they have Steam and they can get a game that has social interaction, you're exposing them to the world. And also, leaving out all technology, you send them to school. And if you think that kids aren't <laughs> talking, I mean, I probably have heard worse things, you know, on a playground than I've heard anywhere else. Uh, people have grand imaginations and love to talk a lot of game, you know, when it's just the kids on the playground. And so it is, it is a big challenge in general without all of this technology. But then there is a greater magnification lens that people put on technology because of things you mentioned before, like the fears that people have about what it can do.
3: Because it's right.
1: And so that's something where you don't know, just like online, you don't know how old people are. So you're meeting strangers and social VR is great and fun, but you also don't know who's listening to you. And yeah, you can just get yourself into a lot of trouble or accidentally traumatize someone. And it's something that I hope, I I think social VR and VR in general is so new and they have so much to work on. Like it's not any knock on anybody in those situations, but uh, it is something I hope that they're working on, which is like, how can you control your environment a little bit better and trust who you're interacting with? Yeah, because
0: we're not just dealing with like text interactions here at this point, or even like video chat, like with, uh, with like chat roulette back in the day where, you know, you might get a musical performer on the other side, or you might get somebody that is, uh, that is, you know, creating some sort of adult experience in real time. Um, and you just, you, you have no visibility on that in, in VR. It just, like we were saying earlier, it just magnifies the the experiences that you can have. So it just becomes that much more important to keep in mind, what you are exposing people to, and where that is happening, and the protected spaces and lines.
1: Absolutely. One of the things you mentioned, Ella, was about learning or being able to experiment in these situations. In the case of Viro, and being able to bring that into your own home. And um, I mean, one of the questions I had is within Viro, are you always interacting with another human? Or uh, I guess you brought this up earlier. Some of it is like pre-recorded in this case, and so um, you're not necessarily. Like a lot of what's available now is that you can, you're interacting with not a real person, but there's also going to be the club in the future where you are interacting with real people. Okay. Just making sure I have that Mm. right. So basically you have this option of um, both experimenting in a private safe space as well as experimenting or opening yourself up to certain opportunities um, and curiosities with others as well and creating actual connection there. Um, Yeah. Yeah correct me if yeah, I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> with the
2: social spaces, there's gonna be the, the way the app is designed, it's sort of um there's an elevator that will take you to different levels. Um mm-hmm. so one level is going to be like no like no touching, no like you can't interfere with someone's personal space. It's gonna be very, mm-hmm. um, you know, very low uh not low engagement, but um low stakes, I guess. And then Yeah,
0: or like low invasion of of personal space. Exactly.
2: And then there's going to be, you know, there will be a level where you can do whatever consensually still, but, but you can sort of choose the environment that you want to be in, in that regard.
0: It seems like that this team in general that you're working with, you all are exploring some really interesting and forward thinking um, material here and, and problems. And I'm really excited to see where that goes over the coming years, because um, it's really, it's really going to open up sort of the, the kinds of experiences that you can have via, via a virtual space online. Um, and also, <laughs> we'll, we'll place a lot of interesting challenges in front of you all to, to figure out how to innovate on and overcome.
2: That's absolutely, absolutely the case. <laughs> Every new cool thing that we do brings about, you know, 20 new questions about how to, how to do it best. But that's yeah. the case with everything, right? Yeah. If you're right. really dedicated to making something good.
1: Yeah, uh, I'd like to if you're open to it. So I tell Jay all the time that I do this thing called birthday questions, <laughs> which is every every time somebody has a birthday, I ask them. I don't know certain pointed questions about their previous year and then the year coming up. And since you semi-recently celebrated a decade in your job, anniversary, I want to ask porniversary. you your yeah, anniversary. Yeah, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you three birthday questions. Is what I'll call our
3: anniversary. Perfect. Let's do it.
1: Okay. All right. So it's hard because it's a decade. So you're welcome to answer in whatever length you want. But uh, what is one of your biggest lessons
2: learned in the past decade? That's a very good question. Um, I think being discerning about who I spend my time and energy with, whether that's you know socially and personally or in a work or business scenario. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. What is one
2: thing you are most proud of? I would say... The live VR cam stuff that, uh, my co-founder and I have, have done, I, I got to be the world's first VR cam girl and that's awesome. Uh And then later when we stopped doing the adult stuff and did more sort of all ages mainstream stuff, we had a a live broadcasting app where you could buy treats for my dog in VR. You could drive a little (laughs) RC car around my living room that had a VR camera mounted on it 24 hours a day. And once a day I did an hour long broadcast like every day. Um, just talking with people and that is all really cool and in that process i also learned like how to code and how to build arduino like dorky arduino robots like i made the doctor dispenser and the rc car and a bunch of other (laughs) really really silly silly little dorky robots and and i'm really proud
1: of that it's definitely something to be proud of and i want to see it as well uh Okay, so final one is, and I just want you to be aware, you got the very abbreviated birthday questions. So uh, <laughs> normally um, I'm a little bit harsher, but uh, okay. So moving into the next decade of your life, uh, what is a mantra or or a theme you want to live by?
2: Oh, golly, um, that's
0: a good one. <laughs> that is really
2: good. What's a good mantra? Um,
0: I definitely do that by like the year basis. I don't often think what is the theme. For I mean, next you can decade. do it going
1: into this next year rather than yeah. decade,
2: but it's decade,
0: decade. <laughs>
1: um,
2: I have a good quote. Can I can I find it real
3: quick? Yeah, of course.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's like this this past year, I, I definitely looked ahead and said what do I want this year to be about. And I did that the previous year as well started to make a yeah, habit of that, that
1: well that's what birthday questions are normally by the yeah, year right unless it's a big unless it's a big birthday it might be like what do you want to say to yourself by the time you're 60 if it's your 30th or something right. like that
2: anyways did you find a quote <laughs> yeah um sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof which basically means don't borrow tomorrow's problems because you've got enough today
0: ah, yeah. interesting wow. so take things step at a time or steps at a time
2: yeah especially right now in this climate, oh, yeah. um it's very easy to get overwhelmed with panic and uh, just general fear. Everything is so austere mm-hmm. right now, and just sort of focusing on on today and letting tomorrow be tomorrow and you know preparing for for what needs to happen but but not allowing myself to get overwhelmed mm-hmm. by you know fears or 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 what have yeah. you. Yeah.
0: Roll with the punches. I <laughs> of today.
1: Yeah, I feel like I needed to hear yeah. that, so thank you. That's
0: that is awesome. I, I love, love it. it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Ella, you are extremely impressive. I know there's a lot we didn't there, get into, yeah. <laughs> but you are super sharp and artistic and creative. I can't wait to check out what you're doing with Vero and what you're doing with your business partner that we can't quite yeah. talk about we yet. Will, we will revisit I'm just, that. In the I'm future. really <laughs> excited about about your
2: your decade coming up. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for yeah. having me. You guys are an absolute delight. <laughs>
1: We hope you enjoyed that episode. We certainly did. If you would like to follow Ella, which we highly encourage, um, she you can follow her at on Instagram and on Twitter at Ella Darling. That is at E L A D A R L I N G.
0: You can also follow the project that she's been working on. That is Vero Playspace. Um, if you want to look up more, you can find them at Vero.club. That is V-I-R-O dot club. And they also have a Patreon. So if you look them up there, you'll be able to go and support the project if you want. They're not taking any investment or anything like that right now. Um, they're just kind of an independent thing. So they are Patreon supported at the moment.
1: And Jay and I are both supporters.
0: Yeah, yeah, we are. We decided as a result of just all the research and stuff for this episode and uh, and and this whole domain, we really loved what they were doing in that project and the general sort of open-minded approach that they were taking uh, to creating a sort of adult play space. And so we both, independently, we didn't even realize you did it at the same <laughs> time, we both decided <laughs> to go in and support them. Yeah. So,
1: Yeah, and- about that. Uh, there's a bunch of other stuff we talked about in the episode. So those will all be in our show notes uh, linked through our website. And yeah. what's our website, Jay?
0: <laughs> oh, well, if you haven't been there before and you didn't know, it is at realityquestpodcast.com. Yes, we have many posts there now because we are up to episode 15, which is crazy at this Yay. point that we've we've made it that far. It's awesome. Um, and you can also find information on the episodes, show notes with additional links to uh, and references to different things that we talked about uh, during the episodes. And then you can also reach out to us there via comment. There is a contact us form uh, or you, know, you can learn more about us if you want. You can also reach out to us on a number of different social media sites. Uh, we do Instagram at reality podcast and we're pretty active on there. And then we also do Twitter at reality underscore quest.
1: And yeah, like always, that's where you can go to see Jay's wonderful art for every episode. So <laughs> I can't and wait we, to see yeah. what your art is for this one.
0: Ooh, I know, I know. <laughs> I've, I have I have the idea already of what I'm doing, so I'm just finishing it up at the moment. But uh, we will we will all get to see it very soon. Um, we are also going to be doing a thoughts on thoughts episode to follow up on this because I think we both agree um, wholeheartedly that this deserves a lot more exploration and there's also just a lot to talk about following yeah. this whole conversation with Ella. We learned a ton.
1: Yes, that's for sure. <laughs> 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 I say with wide eyes. Uh, no, I really, I really did, uh, especially in doing all the quote unquote research I did for this. I learned. <laughs> A lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the the, um, the the range of human sexual interests is is impressive, to say the yeah, least.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed. We really wanted to do this episode for a while. Uh, yeah, and, since the
0: beginning, really.
1: Right. And actually, the what brought us to this point is a couple of things one is we originally like um those of you who know us we despite our love for vr we do like doing interviews in person when possible and so um uh you hate it when i call it interviews sorry jay um <laughs> <laughs> discussions <laughs>
0: dinner table conversations, dinner table conversations. real talk
1: uh so um (laughs) rant over uh rant over uh (laughs) so we wanted to go to la to meet ella and uh and but now that we're all remote we thought you know what let's just like keep working with this whole remote thing and we'll just make it happen and we also felt like you all deserved a topic that was interesting and exciting and taboo because we're all losing our minds slowly in this quarantine (laughs) so we hope that um, you found some value out of this and we'll have some more fun and thoughts on thoughts coming up in two weeks
0: see you all soon and thanks for listening